0: listening to the Sermon Podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 6, verses 19-34. through Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. The word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. Thanks for that reading, Shauna, and thanks to the folks uh, from the denomination who put that video together. I wanted to share that video with you all today. Um, It came out from uh, ABC RGR, our region of the denomination, uh, a few weeks ago, thanking all the ABC churches, all the American Baptist churches in and around Rochester uh, for their financial support in this last year. Uh, But I'm not sure if you noticed this at home, you might not have caught this, but when our church came up on the screen, the handwriting FBC Brockport looked a little Different. Not sure what they were going for there. But um, I see what you did, Rochester Region of the American Baptist Church. Good form, is all I'll say to that. I thought that video would be a good way to start this message today um, because we're talking about generosity and gratitude. Throughout the season of Lent, we've been in this teaching series called Sacred Rhythms, where every week we're looking at different spiritual disciplines and practices that have shaped Christians for centuries. We've talked about prayer and action, feasting and fasting, solitude and community, work and rest. And now today, we're going to talk about generosity and gratitude. At the risk of being a little too on the nose with this, I wanted to start out by acknowledging something that I think not a lot of churches are willing to admit. But when we talk about these topics, especially generosity, when churches teach their people to be generous, that's like inherently self-serving, right? Like, can we name that up front? This church, like any other 501c3, depends on generosity to exist. We wouldn't be able to function, keep the doors open without the generosity of those of you in the congregation who support the work of this church. Thank you, by the way. I don't think we can say thank you enough. But how do we keep a conversation about generosity in a church from becoming cynical? Like how do we keep this from being just like another self-serving sermon about how you should give money to the church? I think the answer is actually right in line with the theme of this series, and it lies at getting at the foundation of why these practices, practices like generosity and gratitude, are so important to begin with. The early church, the New Testament church, was not dependent on the generosity of its members, not really. The first Christians gave to each other, they made sure everyone had their needs met, but there wasn't like a big ecclesial structure to support. You didn't have a professional clergy class. Paul was a tent maker, Uh, Jesus was a carpenter. But the New Testament still talks a lot about generosity and gratitude. The temple system in the Old Testament didn't depend on the generosity of people either. It was supported through more of a tax system, but the Old Testament still holds up generosity and gratitude as these critical virtues of God's people. And I think the fundamental reason for that, the core spiritual fruit or the goal of these practices is to push back against a culture of scarcity, Every economic system in history has been built on the assumption of scarcity. We have finite resources. There's not enough to go around, so how do we make sure we don't run out? That's what most economic systems ask. That's like the foundational question. Capitalism manages scarcity through the market. Socialism does it through the state. Feudalism in medieval Europe, um, the imperialistic economy of ancient Rome, all these economic systems function on a basic assumption of scarcity, an assumption which Scripture rejects outright. The biblical economic system, and there is an economic system in the Bible, you find it in the economic policies and practices put forward throughout Scripture, function instead out of a mindset of abundance, God has already provided all that we need. How do we steward that abundance to make sure that nobody goes without? That's the economic, scri- uh, the economic foundation of scripture and it is a very different way to build an economy, a very different way to think about what we have and it depends on practices like generosity and gratitude. Now a few weeks ago I was on vacation And Alicia covered the pulpit. She did an awesome job, by the way. And she did this demonstration that I am totally going to rip off today, but credit where credit's due. But I think she had um, a table kind of like this set up. And she took some cups and some water and she did some things. So this cup, if you can, I don't know if you can read it from all the way up there, but this is me. Or it could also be you, kind of either way. And the idea is, you know, every Sunday we come to church or you stream the service online and we tap into a little bit of God's abundance, a little bit of grace while we're here. But then what happens? You get filled up on Sunday and then you pull out of the parking lot and someone cuts you off. And then, um, you know, you go to the grocery store and a clerk is rude to you and then you get a phone call from a friend who needs something or you find out that a family member is in trouble and before you know it this cup runs dry all that grace that abundance you got on sunday morning runs out and if i remember her analogy um the idea with these practices practices like prayer and fasting is that we do them throughout the week and they fill us back up we get Um, we tap into a bit of this abundance, God's abundance throughout the week, um, and it keeps us from running dry. But this is scarcity right here. You probably can't read that little flag on here. This is scarcity, and here's what scarcity does. Scarcity comes in and it does this. It pokes a hole, or in this case, two holes. I've got a real mess. (laughs) (laughs) in our cup, right? So it just flows right out. I hope no one at home has to pee right now because this is not helping. Um, But with a hole like this, it almost doesn't matter, right? Like how much prayer we do or um, fasting, even when the cup is full, you still got this anxiety, this like never ending stream of scarcity that's just all coming out and making a real mess this is where practices, these abundance practices, like generosity and gratitude are different. Because they don't just fill us back up. Generosity and gratitude sweep in more like this, and they do this. They stop the flow of scarcity so that we can tap into God's abundance. Does that make sense? Does that, <laughs> does that metaphor carry over? Hopefully you can see all that on the screen. Oh, man. I was going to dump that out. Perfect. think I ruined the table, but we'll fix it, don't worry. (laughs) Anyway, I think this is what Jesus is getting at in our scripture reading for today. Um, Shauna shared this reading from Matthew 6. Um, We've got a portion of it that we'll put up on your screen. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will God not much more clothe you?" Growing up in church, I must have heard this teaching at least like a dozen times, and it always came off as shallow to me. Like, don't worry, that's easy for Jesus to say. He lived 2,000 years ago. He doesn't know what life is like today. What about like, what about what I'm going through? What about people in like a village somewhere who don't have enough food? That is suffering. But Jesus is talking about economics here. He's not being naive or out of touch. He's prescribing a different way to live in the world, a different way to operate and relate to our possessions and our resources, the way of abundance. This scripture reading for today began with Jesus talking about money. If you back up all the way to verse 19, just a few sentences before this part about not worrying, you find this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then right before we get to this part about worry, the verse right before verse 24, we get this famous line. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and money, God and mammon, to quote the King James. (laughs) Jesus isn't being naive here. He's not out of touch. He is prescribing a different way to live, a different economic system built on abundance rather than scarcity. There are so many forces in our society reinforcing this mindset of scarcity, so many voices in our head that are competing with this. Is there gonna be enough? How are we gonna pay this bill? The kids need shoes again. I don't know how we're gonna make this work. We are so steeped in a culture of scarcity that even a little glimpse of abundance from Jesus, this guy who fed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and some fish, even that seems naive to us. The other day I got in a debate with a friend of mine about the minimum wage, Um, and I don't really care what your personal view of the minimum wage is. It's neither here nor there. I think it should be a bit higher, but we can agree to disagree. That's fine. But this friend of mine who's a Christian, she said to me, Do you know how expensive a burger from McDonald's is gonna be if the bum they pay to flip it makes 15 bucks an hour? That's scarcity. It's a lot of other things, but mainly the foundation of that, I think, is scarcity. If you're worried about paying a dollar more for a burger so that the person making it has something closer to a living wage, that scarcity and Jesus calls us into abundance. Do you see the practical importance of a biblical concept like this? Do you see how this question, this shift, has very real impacts in the real world? Let's talk about how to enter into abundance and practices. these practices of generosity and gratitude. We'll start with gratitude. How do we cultivate gratitude? For like the individual in society, I think gratitude is the foundation of abundance. Do we view all that we have as a gift from God, something to be grateful for? Or is it something we've earned, something we deserve? Are we entitled to things like a house, a car, nice clothes because we earned it? Or is every single one of those things a gift from God? Just to share some, some stats on global poverty, I, I'll, I look at these a few times a year just to kind of ground myself and, and be grateful for what I have. Um, but these are pretty alarming. About half the world's population, more than three billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day. Every year, over a quarter of a million children under five die from preventable diseases. And the leading cause of premature death in the world isn't cancer or heart disease or even violence. It's malnutrition in 2021. We are incredibly blessed to have the things that we have. It almost feels like dumb luck that we were born in a place where we would be able to earn and accumulate the things that we have. This is why I think gratitude is so important. Now, there's a lot of ways we can practice gratitude. A popular one right now is to keep a gratitude journal. Uh, Maybe you've heard of this. If you're someone who likes journaling, you've maybe done this before, and if not, this is a great option. The idea with a gratitude journal, though, is you sit down every day and you write down three things that you're grateful for. That's it, pretty simple. It could be something that happened that day, it can be just like um, something that's on your heart, whatever you want, really. And this practice, this form of journaling, can be a fantastic catalyst for prayer. If you ever aren't sure what to pray, maybe start by, try- by telling God what you're grateful for. That's the gratitude journal. Another, like, simple, practical thing we can do to cultivate gratitude is surround ourselves with reminders of things we're grateful for. Uh, In my office here at church, I've got pictures all over the wall, art, actually, from my kids. Um, When I record the videos at my desk for the first four, you usually see some of the art behind me. But whether it's, like, pictures of family members or gifts we were given or art from a three-year-old, If you want to cultivate gratitude, surround yourself with reminders of what you're grateful for. That's a really easy one. And one more practice I think we could do to cultivate gratitude, if you're looking for options, is writing thank you cards. When I was a kid, whenever I got like a gift or a present, my mom would always make me write a thank you card, and I hated it. But this is a practice that I have tried to keep going in adulthood with like limited success. But like we don't send letters anymore. We don't send cards very often. At least I don't. Not other than like emails. It's been ages since I've like written or received an actual physical letter. But when we force ourselves to stop, sit down, take out a pen and a card or a piece of paper and actually write a thank you card, that is a practice that will, that will um, generate gratitude. It also generate a hand cramp, but mostly gratitude. It's also a really great surprise for the person who gets the card and will probably be grateful for it. So you have gratitude on top of gratitude, which is really necessary if we're going to push back on this culture of scarcity. Those are some gratitude practices. This Lent, if you're, if you're looking to add something, some sort of a practice over these next few weeks, pick one of those and give it a try. But let's talk about the other pillar of abundance, generosity. Once we acknowledge all that we have as a gift from God, the next logical step is to ask, how can I steward the abundance God has given me? How can I put my resources, my energy, my time, my capital, how can I put all of that to work for God in the world? For Christians, this usually includes supporting the work of a local church. That can look like giving, tithing, serving, volunteering our time as a Sunday school teacher, or with a ministry like the gathering table. Ideally, it'd be like a combination of those things. But maybe you're not there yet, maybe you're watching this service and you're not currently connected to a local church. I'm not sure why you'd give up an hour of your time on a Sunday morning to watch this, but we all have our quirks, so no judgment. But maybe you're not there, that is fine. The best way I've found to cultivate generosity if you're not already part of a community is to start by supporting something you are passionate about. And then let your generosity build naturally from there? What's a cause that speaks to your heart? What's a ministry or a service to your community that you can get excited about and actually get behind? Something that you see and you say, I want to be part of that. I want to contribute to that. Start there and let your generosity flow. Maybe it's a local church Maybe it's this church, maybe it's some other nonprofit or a charity. Aaron and I have been fortunate enough to be able to support a number of causes that we're passionate about. Um, I have a friend out in Los Angeles who runs a ministry working with pimps, prostitutes, and Johns in Hollywood. She's doing amazing work, shining a light in a very dark place and helping to get people out of that life. And we've been able to support her and that ministry, which has been awesome. We have another friend who's a missionary in Thailand. Uh, She works with women who've gotten out of the sex trade. She helps them train for other jobs, legitimate jobs, um, as well as giving them the medical, spiritual, emotional care that they need. There are people all over the world doing incredible work, God's work. Find something you can get behind. Find something that excites you and support it. Maybe it starts with like 50 bucks a month to a ministry or a charity of some kind. Maybe you take a percentage of your income every month and you donate it to something. Whatever it is, start by making a commitment to invest in the work God is doing, the work of restoring all that is broken. Commit to supporting that work however you can and then periodically, once a year, once a quarter, check in on the state of your giving and consider how you can do more generosity and gratitude, the two pillars of abundance. If we want to break free from a culture of scarcity, these are two really practical approaches to do that. Let's pray. God, it's really tough in a culture of scarcity to live into your abundance. It's hard with all the forces that are working to convince us that we don't have enough, that we need more. It's hard to steward what you have given us. But God, we know that abundance is your will for us, and we thank you for practices like generosity and gratitude that return us to that truth. God, make us grateful for all we have received, every gift you've given us. And allow that gratitude to flow outward. Help us to be good stewards of what you have given us and to use it to do your work in the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening.